0: Hello, bonsoir and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Peter Rutzler. The title has been decided in France and if you look up from your online poker for just one moment, you might have noticed or, you know, just wait until your dad gets home. He'll tell you all about it, but we will touch on that and a crucial league weekend after the latest headlines. Friday night began with a draw as Nice earned a point at Angers. Alisson Player's eighth in his last five games was cancelled out by a late Angelo Fulgini strike as both stay pat in their league positions. On Saturday, Lyon made it four wins in a row as they saw of Amiens 3-0. Memphis Depay notched his fifth goal and assist in his last four games to help his side remain in third place. In the multiplex. Mets give themselves a late, late lifeline as they came from behind to beat Ren two one with a Nolan Route double, as Leo faced more heartbreakers. They let a two goal lead slip in added time against Gangomp. Dijon made it 5 unbeaten away from home as they drew 1 all with stuttering non. Mathieu Debouchy notched his fourth goal of his loan spell to see Saint-Étienne top Strasbourg 1-0, while Caen and Toulouse were never got going as due to a waterlogged pitch. On Sunday, Bordeaux made it two wins in a row as they saw off Montpellier 3-1 as Marseille came from behind to save their blushes against Low Le League with Florian Tovan scoring his 20th goal of the season to give Loem a 3-2 win. In the weekend's final match, Paris Saint-Germain emphatically rubber-stamped the title with a 7-1 mauling of their nearest rivals, Monaco. Even without the injured Neymar and the unused sub-Kylian Mbappe, Giovanni Loselso and company tore through their opponents to earn their seventh league uh, crown. And that's all for now but for all the latest in the world of french football head on over to our website at www.getfulnewsfrance.com and follow us on twitter at gffn we start this week and where else really because Paris Saint-Germain are your 2017-18 league uh, champions and they did it in style with a massive win against their bitter rivals and we'll focus on The victors really first before talking about um, maybe a slightly hapless Monaco side, Rich, but an emphatic win without their staples as well, but it seemed like inevitability. And it was almost like a rush of adrenaline from this team to just get things over the line and, and ensure that they won the title tonight.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think they've sort of seen that, you know, other teams around Europe are now starting to dominate. You know, Man City obviously won the title earlier in the day. Bayern Munich won it um the weekend before. PSG supposedly were were gonna win this at an absolute canter. I mean they have, but I think maybe a few of us were expecting this to have been, you know, confirmed a few weeks ago. So I think it was key as you say, I think they were keen to get it get it over the line. Absolutely scintillating first half hour, which which sort of conversely went against the opening few minutes where I thought Monaco came out pretty Pretty well actually. Um, but there were there were sort of a th- well, there's a, th- a burst of three goals in sort of five minutes or so. Um and it was it was just devastating, really. You know, it was the PSG that we expect to see, I think, now on a regular basis. It was all out attack, it was flicks, it was tricks, it was beautiful crossing, beautiful passing, some super finishes. Um I thought Di Maria's chip was just ludicrous you know it was sort of almost Paborski-esque. um but um you know it was the performance i think that that psg wanted to put in you know and the, the guardian article the gffn guardian article today points out and, and touches on it quite well actually that you know yes they're going to win another domestic treble um or quadruple if you, if you're amongst the few that do count the trophy of the champions as a as a trophy but they failed on their main target. And there is a, a weird, weird feeling. And I think we sensed that from the crowd last night. And I think one or two um, PSG players, it might have even been El khalafi himself actually, pointed out that, you know, these fans should be happy. You know, we've given them trophies year in, year out. You know, we're going to get to the goal because it really was a weird atmosphere. You know, it was a You know, it was a strong start and they saw the early goals and there was, you know, Support from the stands. Then, I thought, sort of midway through that that first half, and certainly into the second, the atmosphere just went. It was it was surreal. You know, this is a you know coronation. This is a crowning. You've won the league. It's you know so many matches into the season now, and you've won it, and you've won it in the best way you can possibly win a championship. And the fans just didn't seem interested. Now, maybe that's a reaction. I can only think it's a reaction to. Well, you know what we expected that, so you've hit minimum. Well done. Were you supposed to? Yeah, what were we supposed to do about it? We wanted Champions League success, and this season we've gone backwards in Europe. So it was that was quite weird to see. But you can't fault the, the performance from PSG. I thought, as I say, that opening half hour was some of the best football we've seen from PSG all season. I'd probably go back many, many months, sort of tail end of 2017, when they put in a similar first half performance at home to Bordeaux you know it's a lot I think it's a long time since we've seen a real real uh, you know strong statement performance like this from PSG so it was an excellent way to win the title I just think it's just been soured ever so slightly with those that undercurrent feeling of, of this has been a disappointing season which I get that but you know this is still the most prestigious title you're going to win in France Feel happy and celebrate it, enjoy it, and it—it it just seems as though there's that gloss I think, which is probably taking a significant shine off off this win. Mm,
0: yes yeah, it is a, a bit of a funny one. The bit for sandwich brigade at the Part de France, it seemed at times they sort of politely clapped the really terrific football they had, especially in the first half where they they were absolutely romping to a to an excellent win against their their nearest rivals without their arguably two best players, certainly the most two expensive players. And and they were playing some excellent stuff and, and tore them apart at will. It looked like it could be four, five, six, even in the first half, really. But it's, it's a strange season and it is a little bit reminiscent, Peter, of the last time they won the title in 2015-16. I mean, that was a time where, again, they, they romped the league pretty early on it. In fact, it was almost as... I think it was a little bit earlier than it was uh, this season. And that season, it was even more comfortable, really. But... The same scenario applies if if they they look like they're going to sweep everything domestically. The Coupe de France, they only have to get past one more league side and then meet a national side in the final. So you you would <laughs> thoroughly expect them to to pick up the third trophy in that. But at the same time, there's still that edge of disappointment that maybe did take the gloss off this evening, where they 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 got to a massive win against a, a big opponent to to seal a title, but there was no uh, there was a lack of euphoria about it.
2: It shouldn't do, really, though, should it? I mean, it's a 7-1 win against Monaco. And, I mean, as much as everyone loves to reel out the tin pot league and whatever else, it's an, absolute, it's an extraordinary result. And you could see why al was so furious with the atmosphere inside the Parc de France. And I think the French media have been pointing out it was something to do with, um, from the ultras anyway, and their silence was mainly due to a protest against LFP punishment um for lighting flares and, and whatever against marseille um but you know as al khalafi said like you know it's fine you've got to you've got to make you make a point against the league but you know you in this game to you know to secure the title and yeah it's been a foregone conclusion for so long but i mean they were really treated to a spectacle in that first half as as rich was saying we we've, we saw psg at their absolute best and i mean <laughs> it becomes very difficult to explain and, and to justify why they thought it was necessary to retain that. I mean, there is ongoing, obviously, disputes between supporters and the footballing authorities in France and, and the authorities more broadly, but all the same, I think with it really did taint the evening. I feel, um, you know, it, you had that, you also had the Neymar stuff as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more when he was on his Instagram account, he's playing poker. While watching the game in the background and he's half the world away in brazil you know it just all serves to to undermine the achievement and it just reinforces the stereotypes about france about liga um about the challenge that they face and you know that kind of belies the story a little bit i mean monaco haven't been at their best we know they're in that in the in a in the next stage of a cycle to reform you can't there was no way they were going to be able to compete on the same level that they did last season but yeah, it's still a good team. You know, this is still a really solid Monaco side that have taken second place out of the hands of, of Lyon and Marseille who have really pushed them this season. And, and yes, we've seen PSG take them apart before, but to put seven past them and, and, to, and that first half blitz was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, we really saw the, the, the real ability of different players who have perhaps had the light taken off on this season. You know, Pastore, Draxler, Di Maria they were absolutely superb and you you start to wonder well do they need the such the the glitz and glamour of poker boy in in Brazil um I mean we can't take away from what he's brought to the league as well and and not just on the field he has been excellent but I know last night there were just there were a lot of different storylines that were coming out of it that you know that did sort of taint it and yeah as as we've been saying it's that underwhelming feel it shouldn't be I mean they, they look set to win the treble and they've had a really good season and last night was a combination of a side that is really good you know for all the money spent they've got a really good set of players and they were superb
0: yeah absolutely a very strange evening for a number of reasons that that name odd just... that beggar's belief it's it's strange that it, i can kind of understand why he's not there if he, if, if he's still recovering he's obviously still in brazil fair enough. It, it, rehab is more important, especially with the World Cup um, coming up. But to have the to show that you've got the game on kind of in the background while you're dual screening with a, with poker, which is, again, it's, it's, it's a very Brazilian thing. I remember... um the the original Ronaldo doing a lot of adverts for for poker and doing <laughs> poker things it must be it must be another Brazilian th- well footballer th- kind of thing but uh, yeah very strange although his dad at least turned up so at least someone was representative of him. but let's focus on things on the field uh, now as well in this game Rich and it, it was a really excellent game for PSG and particularly I thought um, and many afterwards think it, it was sort of the the coming of age of Giovanni Lascelle in midfield he. Especially in the first half was terrific. Link-up play was excellent, and especially uh, his goal with the with the mix between Angel Di Maria, who was also excellent, and as well as Cavani, um, he really lit up the part of Prance last night, didn't he?
1: He did. Yeah, I think um, I think with with the, with the balance of that midfield that they had alongside um, alongside Draxler and alongside Rabiot, I think it I think they sensed very early on that it wasn't going to be about a you know, an argument certainly between Lacelso and Rabiot, who's going to sit back, who isn't. I think it, very, very quickly it, it became apparent that it was a night for, well, let's just all out attack. And if somebody needs to drop back, we'll drop back. Because we certainly saw the, you know, the excellent attacking qualities that LaCelso has, that because he's been sort of restricted with a slightly more defensive position this season, which I think by and large he's succeeded at, it's not his natural position by a, by a long way, but I think he's actually played very, very well there. Um, it's unfortunate that that position will unfortunately be cursed for him from that um, uh, first leg in Madrid of the Champions League, um, where it was a, it was an un- unfortunate time to have an absolute horror performance, but uh, it's, a, you know, we, we've seen glimpses, brief glimpses throughout the season of what he can offer going forward. Last night was a, Perhaps a slightly longer audition for him to have that more advanced role. And perhaps a reminder to Emery, but perhaps more to a new, you know, the new manager, whoever that will be, that's going to be incoming almost certainly. Look, you know, don't don't necessarily think you've got to add any attacking talents to this team. I'm I'm fully capable of doing this. You know, I can I, you know, I've shown throughout the season what I can do in a defensive position. Here's what I can do going forward. I think last night was excellent the way he sort of ghosted into the into the area to pick up his goals I thought was fantastic and, and sort of reminiscent of every sort of top class sort of centre midfielder that we, you know that we've seen certainly in recent times um so I'm you know I'm encouraged to see what he can what he can offer PSG going forward I hope whoever the manager will be will give him that opportunity and won't just try and sort of square peg round, hold him into a defensive position. I'm hoping that they will finally address that in the summer and therefore allow lacelso to have this, this, this more advanced role. You know, question marks remain over Draxler question marks remain over Pastore. Certainly Pastore, are they going to cash in on him? Well, you know they're not obviously going to get a huge amount, but they could reap some, I mean, bring some money in for him maybe. And they've got lacelso who can, who can play in a more advanced role. So it was a really good performance from him, uh, as, as has been touched on earlier earlier in the in the show. There were other players as well. You know, Demaria had an excellent game. Um, Draxler, I thought, had a pretty strong game. I thought um, I've been critical of some of his comments during the week on Twitter. Those that have seen it, but I thought Boshiche had a had a really good game down the left. I thought um, you know his interplay with Draxler, especially, showed real promise, and it certainly delivered in a. Um, you know, a couple of moves that that led to goals down that side. so there were some perf- you know there were some promising performances there from players who might not be 100 percent certain of their futures post whatever happens this summer. So it was a good statement performance from them. I'm sure they're going to be given more opportunities before the season's out. I'm sure the likes of lacelso Bashisha are going to be given opportunities in. You know Coupe de France and 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 the like. So it's important that they take these opportunities. But in terms of last night, I thought you know those sort of slightly more questionable players. I think a lot of them and Lo Celso especially really stood up.
0: Mm, absolutely, and and. Then... Uh, Di Maria, another one with with an excellent little goal as well himself for that the the dink chip on Sebastic. I know some people um question the goalkeeper's decision to to come out at that moment, but it still takes incredible skill to uh, to lift it over the goalkeeper and he was he was really excellent last night and, and credit to him in a in a season where He's really been the backman of those three. I mean, with Neymar and Mbappe consistently played in front of him, now with the opportunity he's been given with Neymar out, he, he's shown it and on, on a World Cup year of all years and, and possibly a summer ahead where he, he may be uh, looking at the exit door. But looking ahead, at least for the time being, before we, we circle back to Monaco, really, um, Peter, it's about PSG and what lies ahead for them, really, because it looks like it'll be a new manager in the summer. It looks like, depending on Financial fair play ends up um, doing whether they they'll they'll end up having money or I assume they'll 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 probably get a light punishment. So we say that I don't think uh, the UEFA is quite ready to to push the hammer onto teams yet. But um, looking ahead, there has to be positives, hasn't there? They've they, last night and this season has shown that there there is certainly quality in this squad. Maybe one or two changes here and there, and a more consistent manager, they could be Champions League contenders.
2: Yeah, they should be. I think the main thing that, I mean, as you're saying, I think there'll be small changes in terms of player personnel. I think, you know, they've got a lot of quality in there. We know where the the weakness areas are, you know, center of midfield, questions about defense. I I think what really has to change for them to progress, it's got to be culture. Um, And it's been symptomatic of the way they've approached the the project, QSI have have approached the project at, at PSG. It's a it's this uh, complete missing of the fact that it's a team game, at a very basic and crude way of putting it. Um, you know that we've seen throughout this season we've the rumours, the splits, and you know not all of it's probably true, but there's no smoke without fire, and that's for sure. And you know, the, like we saw last night with with Neymar not there, and it doesn't breed a winning mentality. It doesn't breed a, a team that's going to go on and, and win things. I mean, would Neymar get away with? not being present if he was at Barcelona or Real Madrid? Absolutely not. Uh, surely not. Um, rehab or not. I mean, there's no need for him to be in Brazil. He should be with his team. Um, going forward, it's, it's a really tough task. And if it is Thomas Tuchel, as, as has been reported, then you know, he's got a really tall order. I think that's, uh, it's, that sort of appointment lurches towards um, an identity approach, wanting to, a playing style. I guess that's something that perhaps we've we could accuse Emery of not being able to to foster um and i think that that's fairly so a, a fair comment to make um but it's more than just what he can do i think for, for, for a ma- for any manager taking the reins there they've got to change how the the side think um how they approach the game um player power um it's it's, it's, it's a bigger order than I think a lot of people think and and I think the other of course this that's one side of the coin for sure the other side is is financial fair play and you know your, your wafer have got a difficult balancing act to play because you know they're, they're not going to want to to um annoy um the, the hierarchy at PSG too much they don't want to upset the apple cart something that's like such a a bold ambassador now for the sport but you know, they, they've got rules to enforce. And, you know, judging from some reports that came out in the last week about, um, again, questions over sponsorship. And it's irregular because it's not in, in line with what should be expected for a club like PSG from a particular source. And that's not the first time they've had that thrown at them. And if, if that, for instance, is, is proved, then that's highly serious. And that's, aside from the, the Neymar stuff, the Mbappe costs, which quite clearly have smashed through the financial plague financial fair play standing so that will hold them back in the summer so we can see the change and and yeah the the, the changes on the field can be small but the changes around the club have got to be quite profound um and it'll be very interesting to see how that develops and good luck to any manager taking it on because it's you know it is a poison chalice in a way Um, but you will get a travel at the end of it you know if you do well
0: that's the yeah that's the weird uh, upside downside of it isn't it It, it's really europe or bust but you might win a couple of trophies at least on the way which will you know help boost the figures on any kind of cv and then that's probably all can't expect much more from from anywhere else really in these kind of days it can be difficult to to bad those two of them so people remember the trophies at the end of your career at least anyway um on to monaco very quickly really they they were pretty gracious guests really is the nice way of putting it rich um they kind of laid down and and, and took the battering, really there there was a lot of questions with with camel glick not starting because because of injury and it, it was um Raji in the middle at uh, but Frankly, really, they got torn apart time and again, and that defence and and what we spoke about before of them not really having cover behind Glick or Jemison, really in the form of it only being Raji, um, that you they are going to get ruthlessly exposed and against a very very good team in PSG, um, they got torn to pieces.
1: Absolutely, I mean we saw that in the in the you know more recently in the uh, Coupe de la Ligue final where it was. Um, it was poor Andrea Raggi again who was uh, sort of tormented by, by Mbappe. I mean, I think from kickoff he'd have been pleased to have seen Mbappe on the bench. Um, but there's there's work to be done. Um, I don't think a great deal of work. I think what people have to accept, um, and it takes, it's it's a difficult concept to get your head round. I struggle with it, but they are stuck and and they are fixed in this cyclical nature of of how they do things at monaco and last season was the culmination of that sort of first cycle where they'd had a you know a couple of couple of years of building that squad with some really talented young players a smattering of experienced um sort of big names as well and it brought them the league and championship the players were then sold the money reinvested into the club more young players were brought in at a slightly perhaps slightly higher higher, I don't want to say level, but higher um, in terms of how well-known they were. I mean, Tielemans, for example, was you know, touted around some of the really big clubs in Europe. So, you know, they've, they've invested in those kind of players and they'll build again. And it may be that they have to sacrifice another two or three years of of really pushing PSG for the title, but they'll come back again and it will happen again and it will happen again. It's a self-funding you know, this, as I say, it's it's a, it's a complete cycle. Um, there's, you know, providing everybody's on board with it, um, which at the minute it seems to be, players are, the coach seems to be, and everybody's, you know, switched on and in agreement that this is how the club's going to operate, then it will work fine. You know, if, if, they, if they only challenge, you know, we'd all want to see Monaco challenging PSG every season. Sadly, that isn't going to happen because PSG can go out as they did last summer, and dropped 200 mil on Neymar, 180 million on, on Mbappe. You know, money here, left, right and centre, they can do that. So you're not going to compete with them year in, year out. What you did see, though, is that building up a, you know, a really good quality squad of really talented players throughout with a bit of depth, yes, you can challenge PSG. So that's what Monaco, uh, that's what Monaco's project is. I don't necessarily agree with it, and I know a majority of people don't agree with it, but it works for those guys. And it's a it's a project that that everybody seems to be on board with. You know, players know that if they come into Monaco, they're going to get European football. They're going to get top-flight football. They're going to get, you know, top-of-the-league, battling-at-the-top-of-the-league-level football. They're then going to get spotted. Monaco are on most clubs' radars now for, for emerging talent. So these young players are going to be hungry because they know they've seen what happens to the likes of, you know, Bernardo Silva, Benjamin Mendy. Um, that the big clubs will come calling for these players. So they know that. So they'll come hungry to play, hungry to perform at the top level. And they will. And it'll just take a little bit of time then to get that experience together, build that squad together. And then Monaco will be back where they were last season. I've no doubt about it. You know, it, it it seems counterproductive to the league that they win the championship, sell a lot of their best players, and of course they then can't compete. It, you know, I get why people think that's weird. I think that's a a peculiar way to 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 run a football club, but that's how they want to run a football club, and it works for them. So I you, you can't argue with that. It's it's a it's a very very strong stand up business model um, because you know there's 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 rarely any dissatisfied players. Okay, Fabinho and Lamar are starting to show a little bit of dissatisfaction. Chances are they're going to go in the summer. They'll get their big moves in the end. They have to understand Monaco weren't going to get rid of absolutely everybody last summer. There were going to be players that they weren't going to weren't be, you know, weren't willing to, to release or couldn't get deals done in time to, to then bring new players in. So it's it's a model that I know a lot of people have issue with, but. If it means every three years we're going to get a Monaco as we saw last season, and that's how that's what it takes to get to that, then you've got to be for it. Um, you know, manager as well, you know, there's a lot of rumors that this is perhaps Jardim's last season. You know, he's he's been as on board with this project as anybody. He joined he joined the club knowing, well, this is my chance to be part of the journey that some of these players came. He came in, he was reasonably well known, but look what he's achieved with Monaco, and now he's on a lot of clubs' shopping lists. And, you know, there's every chance this summer he gets that big move. If he doesn't, he stays in Monaco and he gets it in the next season. It's a it's a never-ending conveyor belt and it's a model that I stress it enough, I can't stress it enough, that I get. I really do understand why people get frustrated with it. But when you dissect it and look at it and see how it works for Monaco, you can't do anything but, but think, actually, you know what, the, the, the board at, you know, Rabelovlev and, and Vasilyev, they're geniuses for what they've done there because the turnover of money within that team is, is incredible. So I'm excited to see what it will bring um, next season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's always at least interesting at the, the uh, stade louis But uh, Rich hit on it briefly there, Peter. and uh, I just wanted to sort of mention it very quickly because they will definitely lose players this summer. Fabinho is is certainly one, possibly even to PSG, which will be even more of a, a body blow. and Lamar looks like he's already out the door as well. Um, but the real big one in this one, compared to other seasons, is if Leonardo Jardine was to go. If he was to go, is it is he possibly, out of everyone they've lost in the last couple of seasons, is he the irreplaceable one?
2: I think you you know, you'd like to think that Monaco have a plan for that too. They seem to be a very well-run club that have the next step in mind. They're constantly thinking. Every player is, you know, is replaceable. Um, and I'm sure the players that leave in in the summer, and I'm sure they will. It's an inevitable part of of the game now. When when you can't necessarily compete financially or or competitively consistently, um, then you know, there, there'll be someone in the waiting in the wings. And I, I hope for their sake that the same applies to, to Jardim too. Um, I think it's it's perfectly plausible that he could leave this summer. Um, it's dependent on a number of different things. Um, if there's movement elsewhere, I think he's been linked with being a sort of replacement for Wenger potentially. And I think there could easily be movement there, um, this summer, it's dependent of course, on Europa league success, potentially, um. But you know, with with, Mar- with Monaco, you, you you would expect them to have some kind of contingency. There'll be someone there. They will have a shortlist. You know, it was like uh, um, Southampton when you know when they were running themselves well. There was always the next step, the next guy, the next way forward. Um, it doesn't always work, you know, and, and cycles can be broken, as, as probably the Saints show. But um, they seem to be well. They seem to be run well enough to have that contingency and. I feel like the, the project goes beyond just what Jardim's doing. I think um, Jardim has, has set it up. He's got it running and he's done an absolutely superb job. And he has bought into this, to the, the cyclical model that, that Monaco are embodying and, and other clubs have des- been desperate to replicate it because it is so successful. I mean, it's the most efficient thing to do, I think, when, you know, when you've got someone as financially strong as PSG or, and, and elite clubs in Europe who are going to take the, the creme de la creme. Um, to try and you know, keep yourself afloat and then suddenly emerge with a, a group of players um, and, and compete. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does leave, and it'd be a real shame when, if he does uh, leave French football, but um, I'm sure there'll be so many suitors because he has got that, the, the project on its feet, and I think now that it's running, that I would imagine that the, the manager and his successor is, is part of that now. Well, the the,
1: the 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 two coaches that have that are, well the two names that i've seen initially linked um i think of course for a little bit of of uh, i suppose relieving of any fears of jardine Guy because the two i've seen named are um are Sarri and um uh, paulo fonseca who's uh, another portuguese coach is it Shakhtar, i think now yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, both of those would be, you know, I mean, Fonseca, I think, would be that Jardine Mark II mole. Sarri would be obviously something slightly different. But I think, you know, Fonseca, you know, young manager, um, uh, you know, similar background to Jardine. Uh, you know, it, it seems almost <laughs> it seems almost too good to be true that he is a Jardine Mark II. So um as but as Peter said, they you know. Monaco are going to have plans in place. There's, there are contingency plans for. I don't think they want Jardim to go, and I think Vassil have on, on French TV at the weekend, said, you know, uh, you know, he will be here next week. I'm, you know, I'm very privileged to have the best coach in in Ligue 1, um, you know, coaching my team. So it's going to take a big offer, as with as with anything from Monaco, to to prize him away. But um, they're going to have plans to replace him. I, I don't think Monaco fans should fear too much.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, 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 I've mentioned a few times there's there's likely to be plenty of vacancies in, in the big clubs in Europe this summer and uh, they should all really be taking a good hard long look at what Leonardo Jardim's done because I don't think there's a better manager in, in Europe at the moment really with that quality that he's shown. Um, on to uh, but another exciting thing for League One, and that's Marseille, who have um, reached the uh, Europa League semi-finals. They did on Thursday, but we'll focus really on the draw from Friday because we discussed the game plenty uh, afterwards on the on the preview show. But um, a really, really good draw, really in the end for Marseille. They won't necessarily agree with that because Salzburg, and they obviously had in the group stages, and give them quite a tough time really. So they'll they'll know everything about them before they have to face them again in the two-legged tie that either will put them in the final or put keep uh, what has been the Europa League's uh, best story for many of them, with, with Salzburg going through many many qualifying rounds before they even reach the, uh, the tournament proper. And they've gone all the way to semi-finals, knocking out Dortmund and, and and Lazio as well, um, terrific stuff. But another Red Bull side for for Marseille as well. At the same time, it's going to be an interesting one, Peter. Um, it's probably their ideal draw, having avoided certainly Atletico and Arsenal. But um, could they wish for a better chance of getting to that final in Lyon? That would also still be in France. Still, them would give them a great chance to have plenty of fans get there and uh, really make this a, a tough affair for whoever they face in the if they do get to the final and they uh, getting this ideal draw.
2: Uh, it's a terrific opportunity for them. It's definitely the best possible draw. I mean, I think for some, um, Arsenal could have been an option. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with them with the idea that they could rock up to the velodrome and wet themselves. Um, but I, I do think that Salzburg um, represent the best draw. And as you said, they, they know uh, a lot about them from the group stages. Um, they didn't score against them. But um, I think they're in a different place now, Marseille. Uh, I think we've seen over the course of the season, Rudy Garcia mould a side of of misfits into a competitive unit that gets results. And from Thursday night's performance, we're seeing that the best players can all stand up on the big occasions. And that's absolutely crucial. Um, And none more so than than Dimitri Payet, who we've panned all season long. But when it mattered, he was there. And you need those kind of players for... on when it matters in, in the latter stages of a competition like the Europa League. And, you know, it's such a good opportunity for them, you know, to, to get to a final in Lyon as well. Uh, you know, that really making a mark on a rivalry that is burgeoning. You know, the Olympique derby is, is becoming something. And that will be one hell of a, a, a moment in that regard too, you know, to stick your flag in the, in the middle of the field and in Lyon and win a European trophy and it's a really big opportunity. I think over one game, they, they would fancy themselves against the other two on the other side of the draw, Atletico and Arsenal. Um, but Salzburg, of course, are not going to be a walkover. Um, you know, they, as you said, they've come through the qualifying rounds, yes, and they're, they're an Austrian side and that, that counts against them, you would say. But they've come, they've come through Lazio and they've, they've come through Dortmund. I mean, Dortmund, of course, not the the, the same force, but they haven't exactly been fought while... Lazio are doing well in Serie A um, and you know, to, put, to beat them 4-1 on the night on Thursday um, is a statement and, and Marseille will be aware of that but I think with a big occasion like a semi-final with the velodrome rocking um, you know there's, it's such a good opportunity for them to go and win a European trophy uh, it really is.
0: Yeah, it absolutely isn't it? It Feels like that it's, it's, it's slowly becoming more and more important to them. Rich, I mean, they they weren't at their confident best at the weekend. against why they had to come from behind, and it, it took a couple of lucky moments and an excellent goal from Tovan ready to pull them out of the mire in that one. But their focus really now is on the Europa League, and the the quite funny scenario really that that a lot of Marseille fans seem to be dreading as well as as if they do reach the final, which we certainly can't overlook Salzburg. There would be that strange scenario where they're in Lyon. They have, if they face someone like Atletico in this example, specifically, it could be that Marseille either win the trophy in Lyon and get the Champions League place, or they lose the final in Lyon with Lyon, if they finish third, gaining that automatic Champions League place from Marseille. Um, it would be an interesting. Obviously, permutations has to happen, but that could be a very, very interesting scenario if that <laughs> was our Europa League final, wouldn't it? Uh,
1: it would. Um, I wouldn't fancy being a um, uh, a, a, a gendarme in in Leon that night if that, if either permutation actually was to happen. Um, I think it could be quite a lively lively affair in the streets of Leon um, pre and post game. Um, so you know, fingers crossed we don't see any issues there. But um you know, it look, looking at the draw, I think the one thing, yes, it's the draw I think all Marseille fans probably would have wanted, but on the same, you know, same hand, it's also the dangerous draw. It's the draw where there is that concern of a bit of complacency comes in. Um, you know, they they've got you know, they've got knowledge of, of Salzburg from the group stages, they know what Salzburg can bring. They know that Salzburg have only improved as the tournament have gone along. That was an absolutely sensational performance. You know, sorry, Marseille's was was a brilliant performance at home to to Leipzig. But you know what Salzburg did to, to turn over such a big first leg deficit against against Lazio was absolutely superb. So it's I mean, it's 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 a, such an obvious thing to say. It's absolutely vital they don't overlook this Salzburg side because it's very easy to say to, to get into that thought of. Great, we've got the draw that we wanted. Or oh, it's only it's only Salzburg. It could it could have been Arsenal. It could have been Atletico Madrid. We could win the you know, we could win the trophy at the home of Leon. Um it, that mindset is not a position Marseille need to be in. You know, I think they've worked very, very hard over the course of the season to try and build up some some mental strength. I think that's something that's really been lacking over the last few years. Um you know, there's a lot of work still to do because obviously we know what they're like against the, the big teams in Liga. but you can't knock what they have done this season. With the resources they have, what they have achieved has been fantastic. You know, the, their sort of never-say-die attitude, the fact that they fight for everything, that they're still running, still fighting for things in the 95th minute or whatever, however late into the game it may be, you know, the amount of late goals that Marseille have scored this season to, to, to nick them, uh, you know, more often or not three points as opposed to a point, has been remarkable, I think. And it, it, it's a real sign, I think, to what Garcia has got from this squad. And I think all credit really has to go to him because through either it was him or Zaretta or above Zaretta, didn't recruit well in January. And that's probably what's going to cost them a third-place finish. But... Uh, you know, as with them, you know, as with all Marseille fans, you'd offered them fourth place and a Europa League semi-final. They'd have probably slapped you around the face and said, don't be silly. And of course, that's not going to happen this season. So it's, a, it's been a really excellent season. I don't think they've played well. I don't mind admitting that. I really don't think they've played well. But what they have got is a real dogged attitude that allows them to fight throughout an entire game. You know, they'll, they'll lose concentration and that's cost them at times they have a they have a weird inability to perform when it's the the sort of top four, five, six in the league. Yeah, that happens. But you know, well, I mean the the game against Twa was a perfect example to have gone one nil down. They come into the game obviously so buoyant having secured that semi-final and got the draw that they wanted. To have gone one nil down inside a minute, away at you know relegation threat severely relegation threatened Twa, it would have been very easy I think for a Marseille of earlier in the season or last season, to have crumbled, but they didn't. They pulled the goal back fairly soon after. They then went behind again shortly into the second half. They didn't. Garcia made some changes. Mitrogli becoming something of a super sub. He comes on within six or seven minutes. He's got a goal. They've equalised, Continue fighting, Continue pushing. Bang, Tobin gets the winner five minutes from time. So that ability, I think he's had an absolutely appalling season, but you can't knock Dimitri Payet's performances in the last few weeks. I think it's a bit of a scandal that he's only seeming to do it because there's a World Cup coming. Um, but, you know, if, he, if you're going to time a good run of form, this is the time to do it. So, you know, all credit to him that he's either found his form or perhaps not credit to him if it's that he's just not been bothered the rest of the season and now he is bothered because there's a World Cup and is. His place in that squad's at risk, but he's back to playing really, really good football. You know, he's he's, he's concentrating. He's, he's not anywhere near as anonymous as we've seen him in too many games this season. You know, the numbers of assists and goals he's now scoring are back to where he was sort of pre West Ham time. Um, so, you know, they've got him back smack banging his sort of almost back to his best. They've got Tovan, who's obviously just come back from injury finding his feet, but he's back scoring. They've got Mitroglu, who seems to be you know, an impact sub now off the bench and scores goals when he comes on. That defence is still horrible on paper, but somehow it's just about doing a job. So there's every reason that they can be confident going into these games against Salzburg, but what they mustn't do is let that become overconfidence. We've seen that before from Marseille as well, and that's when things come back to bite them. So... There's a real, real opportunity for them to get to the final here, but they cannot, cannot afford to focus on that. They have to be focusing on these games coming up, um, because if they do and treat Salzburg with the respect that Salzburg are due, I do think Marseille are probably slight favourites from this for, for this uh, semi-final. So, if they can keep those confidence levels to a, you know a reasonable, sensible level, I think they can do it.
0: Mm. Yeah, and. That- Once it gets down to that single game moment, at least for any of the teams involved in that competition, you never really know when it comes to final. And that's the most important thing. But um, they really, the important thing from the weekend, at least from them, is they took points from Trois as did other teams lose ground um, at the weekend, but one team, and I, I, I'm pretty sure you'll not be too pleased to talk about this, Rich, at least, but <laughs> we keep writing them off. I keep comparing them to childhood games, but they keep popping back up out of the side of that barrel because Mets are well got a great victory at the weekend coming from behind uh, to win 2-1 against Rennes, and that has put them in an incredible position of only being now four points off of those um, well the relegation they're still in the relegation places, if they got those four points they would still be in by goal difference, but five points and they can be out there's still a chance there for them, and they keep hanging on really I know it's it obviously diluted as well with Toulouse, um, obviously not playing their game at the weekend, so it's it is at the moment at least five points um, to absolute safety but we keep mentioning it, I'll start with you Rich, because it was an interesting game really, and um, Nora Rue again being the talisman he is, him pulled them out of the mire again. This one, but with the games left, looking at them, they've got Col Lille, Angers, Amiens, Bordeaux. Can they do it?
1: Um, if you'd have asked me before the Ren game, <laughs> I'd have I'd have probably said no. But that win, that performance, I'm not going to hide behind the fact it was anything other than an absolutely appalling. Wren performance, probably probably the worst I've seen this season, certainly that second half, was just diabolical. They played well in the first half, got the goal, and then switched off and played some awful, awful football. But ignoring that now, absolutely full credit to Mets. Um, I've been a bit of a uh, a sort of giving him some ribbing over the last few years, but in Nolan Rue, they've got, a reborn striker, absolutely reborn. He's now up to fourteen goals, and as uh, Jeremy Smith, the sort of resident Twitter Mets fan, loves to point out, that's now more than Mbappe in the league. It's, it's it's just it's it's remarkable what you know what he's done. Certainly, if you look at the since the turn of the year, you know their form. If we look at from January to now, their form sort of mid-table, lower mid-table form. So. Of all the teams in that bottom half of the table, at least Mets have a little bit of understanding and appreciation of what it's like to win a game, which sounds a silly thing. But going into these real battles of games now that are coming up, that's a really important thing. You know, it, we, we talk about it all the time of, of, you know, a defeat becomes two defeats, becomes three defeats, becomes ten defeats or ten games without a win. And you forget how to win the games. Mets, Mets know that. Mets now now have that going, you know, especially that win against Wren. They, they probably wouldn't have thought, I don't want to sound too positive of Wren here, but they probably didn't think they were going to come away from Wren with, with three points. But they have. And now they're going into games where they can now take that thinking, well, you know what, putting a performance like we did against Wren, against, um, you know, against Karl, against Lille, um, against Daniel, against um, Angers, they're winnable games all of a sudden. The confidence they've got in that squad. Um, you know, it was a great reaction from having lost five 0 at home to Mets the week before. Um in Nolan Rue, they've got a striker bang in form. In Matthew Dossavy, they've got uh you know a, a player who has got well, I think is it, is it just is it just Neymar and Paya, I think maybe that have got more assists this season than him. So they've got they've got four, you know, they've got players in form. That um, you know they've 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 not lost too many. Yeah, they've lost five nil to Lyon, and they lost five nil to PSG. Previous defeat to that, you've got to go back to mid February, which for a team rock bottom of the league is not is not bad. It really isn't bad. So that win uh, on on Saturday night against Rennes could have huge repercussions for how this relegation battle plays out because all of a sudden. You know with, with with the other results that happened over the weekend, you know Mets, are, Mets really are, are are back in this um, you know they're, they're within touching distance of, of, of Lille now. Um, uh, well, Lille and Antoine you know four points off. that four points you know if, if Mets win their game at the weekend against Carl, that that can, that could all of a sudden be down to one point. And the confidences with Mets, Tua and Lost um, and, and Lille, sorry, are in a real, real problem at the minute in terms of not being able to get those wins. To lose to an extent as well. It, 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 I want to believe that they can do it. That run in is the probably the easiest run in of all the teams down there. So I can't, I probably can't emphasise how important that that Ren win that Ren win was at the weekend because it, it just gives them hope. And we've seen, you know, we saw a couple of seasons ago with Toulouse, what hope can bring. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful drug in that fight against relegation. So it's going to be an absolutely sensational story if they pull it off um, because they certainly have the games and, and ability too.
0: Because mm, that's what you need to start thinking now, Peter. It was an excellent performance again at the weekend, but the next weekend coming up, they've got Con at home while Lille have to face Marseille away and Troyes have to face Saint-Étienne who are in terrific form themselves away from home. One win there and results go their way and they're, what, two points, one points possibly off off of the teams above them all of a sudden. And even if it is only to get to a relegation playoff, that sniff of hope with other teams, like I say, I have Leon and Monaco in their final few games, and Montpellier, they have got a game against Colne as well. Lille have also got a bit of an awkward time. They've got Saint-Étienne to come. They'll have to face Mets themselves, which would be a massive game as well. Um, so now, even though we keep writing them off, there is definitely a chance there.
2: Yeah, there is. And I think we were mentioning that the sides of them were just sort of crawling towards safety and no one was grabbing it by the scruff of the neck. And one of the the key thing, I think that, that Rich just mentioned there was that they know how to win. Like the If you look at the form table, the bottom four are Toulouse, Twa, Lille, and I think it's Caen is the other one. Um, and, you know, that speaks volumes. Um, these are sides all around them. Haven't won for eight games. Um, but Mets have. And they have had this sort of I mean, they had that run of form midway through the season where we saw that they've got a bit of fight in them. And, and since then, we've seen the ability that they have. And they have got a good enough squad with enough quality to, to get results. Like, winning at Rennes is a big, big result. And with those fixtures coming up, especially the fact that they've got to play some of their direct rivals, even Caen I would consider a direct rival, just based on their fixtures. And they've got Metz and Troyes, Monaco, Nice and PSG. And they're only on 35 points. Um, <laughs> They're very much in the in in the dogfight. Um, of course, pending that that game against that Toulouse game that's got to be rearranged after the waterlogged pitch. But Strasbourg too, their fixtures aren't good. They'll be pulled back into it for sure. So you know, there, there's definitely hope there for for the Mets, and it's partly helped by the fact that it has been such a you know it's a, a battle of attrition at the bottom, picking up those points. They just can't seem to get them. Um, But I would say it's definitely, definitely doable. And it's just those big games at the bottom are going to be great to watch. And and that idea of having hope as well. Hopefully we get some uh, Dupris-style videos from Frederick Hans. Everybody can take some inspiration uh, and and pull off what would be truly unthinkable. I mean, if we actually think of the scale of what that would be, I mean, we've completely written off Mets at times this season, and sometimes we say, "Oh, they, you know, they can get a result or two. They could, they could pull it back." And it was, it's wishful thinking. But we yeah, have four points. It's only four points now, and this is a side that didn't get off the mark for absolutely ages, um, and they've been rock bottom since well, almost day one. So, you know, it'd be one hell of a feat, but it's it's an achievable feat for sure.
1: What I think could also be key is 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 Frederick Hans himself. Yeah, that's a coach that's got league and experience, has got experience of of coaching teams that slightly punch above their weight, uh, used to sort of scrapping around, really fighting for points. So I think to have someone like that at the helm, uh, certainly this crunch time of the season, that could also prove to be a a, a sort of key differentiator.
0: Yeah, he's really galvanised them in the second half of the season. And while they've sort of dipped and flowed, but. if he, if they'd have just had him or, or that's kind of inspiration early on, they might have been even closer. But moving on really to very quickly, at least, the, the heartbreak from some other teams really, Troyes got themselves in front and then ended up a, for a long period of time, in fact, and sort of eventually got beaten out by the quality of Marseille. And a Leo side that it, you have to feel for them again. It felt like at 2-0, they'd got something. They allowed Gengon back into the game as well. And then in the last couple of minutes, they cleared a corner. They didn't move out and they allowed um, Jimmy Brion to, to nick a winner. It has to feel like, um, Peter, a brief on this, especially for Lille, these kind of moments for both those sides, I feel like they have to be big blows for them to take at this time of the season, especially even with the games left that they, they do have chances in front of them and teams are still there or thereabouts around them but th- these are really heavy blows to take
2: yeah absolutely and it, it goes back to rich's point about knowing how to win you know that you're 2-0 up with minutes to go and you can't see the game out two the same they've, they've led twice in the game and they can't hold they can't see it out and that festers that sticks in the mind you know it's, that's difficult to beat um and yeah i mean for Lille, you just you just wonder. I mean, their fixtures are quite kind. They're not horrific for the run in um, compared to some of those around them. So I, I just you, I hope for them that they can keep their head above water. I mean, it still may not be enough because of the financial stuff and whatever else, but they go down. You know, the, <laughs> some of the warnings that are coming out are quite dire, really dire about the prospect. And we've talked about it before on the show, what it could mean. Um, we're not just talking about dropping down to League 2. We're talking about dropping even further with the ramifications that, that could come about. You know, they may not even be able, to be, be able to afford to pay their stadium rent. So there's some real, real problems there. And, and, and Twat, I feel, with their fixtures, I think they're, they're almost a certainty to be to be dead in the water now, which is a shame. You know, when when Derbion smashed it over the bar in stoppage time from that corner against Marseille, it just sort of summed them up a little bit, that, that sense of almost being there and not quite getting over the line. And that's the difference. You know, if you can get those results, you can pick up those points then that, that's the difference. I mean, you look at Toulouse and, and De Bev and what he's been doing there. He's been picking up results, you know. Draws every now and again, the odd win. That's been vital, and that's the difference. You know, it's a side that, in their mind, thinks oh, we can win games. Um, and that, that, that will be the difference come the end of the season, I'm sure. Mm. I, would do, I do worry just before, just about Strasbourg, though. They've been really poor since the turn of the year, and their fixtures are not kind. And I have a feeling that they could be dragged very much into this. And I think they could be one of the shock ones potentially for the playoff. It wasn't a shock, but yeah.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a, a tough one going into the, the, end of the season. We'll finish this evening with our plane to Russia, as we promised uh, last week, at least and that this week it's on uh, Clermont Longley, who's uh, obviously had a terrific season with it. Well, a terrific half season, at least in Liga in terms of with, with Nancy, uh, back last season then joined Sevilla. Um he's had a bit of an up and down season this time around but France are certainly looking for for center backs to step into the, the plate with 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 uh, slowly winding down and not having the greatest of seasons is back backup behind Varan and and, and TT that's consistent enough. Uh, Rich is he maybe one of the people that, that Deschamps should be looking at as as the sort of extra mid defender that they might need in their squad.
1: Um, yeah, I think Deschamps certainly should be looking at him. I think when you look at Francis' centre-backs, we go on and on about the sort of depth that they have. However, I don't think Varane's in spectacular form for club and country. I don't think Mtiti's in spectacular form for club and country. Kimpembe's not playing regularly. Um, you know, they're they, they're sort of seemingly sort of the three fairly certain centre-backs, so you've got because Koscielny then um, probably will, will, would make the fourth. You've got to think you need some backup there. You Look at Umtiti in the Euro you know, Euro um, 2016. That's how he ultimately got in the squad. There were injuries. Injuries are going to happen. There's going to be surprises in the squad. I think you look at Longley. I think he's made the transition from Ligue 2 to Ligue 1 to La Liga seamlessly. I think he's slotted into that severe side. He's playing regularly. He's had experience of Champions League football. He's had experience of playing against the likes of Manchester United. Um, and by and large, I think he's passed those tests. He's he's had um, experience at international level at youth team setup with France. So I think if you're going on form, if you're going on one eye on the future, I think I think Deschamps has to be keeping a close eye on him.
0: It's been a strange season, at least for his club, Peter. They've been up and down. He he certainly did a great performance against Manchester United, for example, in the second level of the Champions League. But at the same time, there's been a lot of criticism of their defence because of the amount of goals they've shipped in. Their weight, especially at home, against even smaller sides as well. Is that maybe what holds him back from being a French international, at least just
2: yet? Yeah, it's, it's definitely consist, uh, consistency. Um, I think we have seen his ability and the potential ability. He's still only 23. Um, in the Champions League against United, he was he was excellent, as you were saying. Um, they did dominate Lukaku at times, which is not easy. I mean, we've seen Lukaku make a mockery of some centre-halves, but he was really, really strong. Um, he seems to have all the attributes to be a good defender, but I think he hasn't been helped by severe inconsistencies in the league. Um they have had an up and down season. Of course, manager left. They had, um, and since there's been a turnaround, it, it, we've seen better, uh, more stability from from them. But I, I, I think at the moment, if we're looking at his, his chances of getting on the plane, it's just the numbers ahead of him is is an issue. Um, I do think with Kuszajny and his recurrent heel problems, he's definitely one that Deschamps should be looking to replace longer term. I think it does count against him that Teo Hernandez got the call up. The last squad, I mean, he played at left back, but he can also play at center half. Um, Kimpembe still young, Varane and Mtiti have years on them, um, going forward, which also isn't helpful. Um, you've got the likes of Zuma to come back, you know, Sacco's doing well at Palace too. Laporte's going to get Guardiola trained, um, and even the more immediate term, you've got um, Rami who seems to be favored, he's been called up relatively recently, so there's a lot of names in the way which will count against him, and I think with more time and more consistency, with, with the severe side doing slightly better in the league. I mean, the Champions League form will really certainly help him. We definitely would have kept him on, on Deschamps' radar, for sure. Um, I think another season and then you can start competing. But the level that France have at centre-half now is, is, the, is the very elite. Um, and that's the, the standard he's got to try and break into. So it'll be a tough, tough order for him. And I think the World Cup will come too soon. I think more... Go ahead, I was
1: going to say just one one little thing I've, I've seen in the last few days is that there are sort of growing rumours that you know these the Barcelona and MTT contract negotiations don't seem to be going as as well as perhaps Barcelona or, or I suppose MTT himself were expecting, and that that release clause obviously still exists at a a pretty paltry is it sixty million, um, which certainly a lot of clubs around Europe would have. You know, that's sort of almost loose change for them. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Barcelona play a little bit hardball because in the recent, in sort of recent weeks, and whether this is all part of business and spinning news to try and get deals done with existing players, but they have been linked with the move for, for long time. Um, so, you know, he's obviously held in high regard in La Liga. Um, you know, Barcelona don't come calling for any old player. Um, you know, they're only going to go out and look for the best. And if it's if it's someone like Longley, who may or may not be, you know, a replacement for for MTT, or maybe a long term replacement for someone like um, you know, Gerard PK maybe that's a that's a pretty pretty um, you know strong testament um uh, to, you know strong testament to how well you know, how good of a player that he actually is. So um, I would like to think that yeah, I'm. Well, I'll, I'll leave you to come on to the question <laughs> that you're probably going to come on to.
0: Yes. Does he make the play, rich? I,
1: I, I'd love to see him being given an opportunity. I think he's not. I don't think he's going to make the the initial squad. I think you know if we see one, maybe two injuries, which we saw Euro 2016. You know, there's 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 a precedent there. I think we see him as you know a first or second reserve, maybe for. But I think you're going to probably look at someone. Someone like Laporte would probably be first, first reserve. But I think be you know a, a close, a close, you know will probably running quite close for that. Peter,
2: no, I just think it's the numbers ahead of him. I do, I, I do agree. There's potential there for sure, but it's just, it's just you know timings run against him, and I think there are too many in front of him and, and I think the, the most recent call up I think the Hernandez one was a sort of a, a blow because he can also play at left back so there is that sort of side to it so that counts against him.
0: Yeah, him, him and especially um, Pavard as well, who can play centre-back if needs be as well. I think maybe they just force him out just a little bit more, unfortunately. So I think that was almost a shot's backup plan of, of both full-backs and centre-backs really by calling both of those uh, to open that final friendly. So that's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Pierre, and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us for the preview show on Thursday, and the main show will be back at the same time, same place, next week. Abiento and goodbye